It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Yo, what's going on? You are locked on the Wizards for the Locked on Wizard show here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, station, whatever you want to call it. This is the Tuesday night edition. Uh, we are recording Monday night. I'm here with Dan Meltzer, who's been on the, the show a bunch of times. He's incredibly knowledgeable about the NBA, and he works for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, but he's a DC native. So today we'll be talking about how the Wizards can take care of business. I mean, they took care of business at home, but what the necessary steps and adjustments might need to be to finish off this series, who needs to step up, uh, you know, who will have to be shut down on the, on the Raptors, and then what's wrong with the Raptors as a franchise, because it seems like every year they have great expectations going into a year. Uh, a lot of the times they kind of outperform the expectations in the regular season, but they just always struggle once it comes into playoff time. So we'll, we'll talk about that and maybe which comparison teams there are to what the the Raptors have been facing in recent years. And last but not least, the East is wide open. Uh, There's a lot of very even series. I guess the Sixers are up 3-1. Everything else is, is, you know, right in the thick of it. So we'll talk about who has the upper hand in the Eastern Conference overall um, and, you know, where these matchups stand about four or five games through. uh, Yeah, about four games into it for each of them. So we welcome in our guest, Dan Meltzer. Dan, it's awesome to have you back. How you doing today? Thank you, sir. It's good to be back. Both uh, Bucks and Wizards picked up the home wins, tied 2-2, so this is going to be a fun week. Who are you more surprised by tying the series up at 2-2? Uh, it's weird because I was on two weeks ago, predicted uh, both the Wizards and the Bucks to win, so I still feel like both teams will win the series. Uh Bucks definitely had me more worried, obviously, as my day-to-day job, but this whole Wizards season, I feel like, has gone the opposite as most of us all expected, so it's, it's just good to see that, you know, win one road game here in the next uh, two, and these teams are going to move on. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so, what do you feel like has been, like, a common trend in the past two home games for the Wizards that has allowed them to, you know, crawl back into a series and now even it up. Is there anything, any, like, major differences you're noticing between games one and two versus three and four? Would you just say it's a, a better defensive effort or Bradley Beal showing up more so? Yeah, I mean, it's the best backcourt in the NBA playing that way. I know it's something that has been debated for years, 
like who has the best backcourt future and at times the Wizards have looked good you know the Warriors took that man out some people would say Portland but that just fell flat on its face <laughs> the last two games Beal and Wall have been the two best players regardless of any Raptors and they've just taken over Lowry and DeRozan so I think everyone's pretty confident that the supporting cast are pretty even overall it's just whoever gets the better output from their two guards probably gonna win each game yeah, and what do you think is going on with Kyle Lowry? Is it just like the the playoffs illness that he kind of runs into every playoff series, or is is he over the hill? It seems like you know his impact just you know he he ends up with solid stat lines, but he's just not that impressive. He kind of scores quietly, like a Tim Duncan type. Do you sure. have you noticed that at all, or do you think he's still you know a very an all star worthy player who? contributes a lot to the the Raptors team and basically is th- their second banana right after DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, his stat line, just looking at it, it's really solid. I mean, 15 points, five rebounds, eight and a half assists, two steals, uh, shooting 42% from three, 90-plus from the free throw line. I guess his field goal attempts aren't that high. I mean, he's shooting about 12 per game, whereas mm-hmm. DeRozan is, you know, over 20. I think it's around 20, uh, 22, 23 a game. So maybe it's just more attempts. Looking at the advanced stats, their defense suffers a little bit when Lowry's on the court. I think he does get steals, but he's no match for John Wall, whatever the matchup is there. And then he just doesn't use up a lot of possessions. I mean, yeah. when Valanciunas is on the court, dominant. he uses up more than Lowry. Wow. That makes no sense. Yeah, did, did, what's, what was your prediction? I forgot. What did you say the series would go to at the end Wizards of Wizards and seven. Okay. Yeah, I just think it's a great idea of watching the Raptors lose more home playoff games, um, especially after game one, where up until maybe eight minutes left in the game, the Wizards had a seemingly good grasp on it. Game two, obviously, the first quarter just ended the game. They couldn't get the comeback going. But I think for a majority of the four games, the Wizards have been outplaying the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me if, you know, game five's Wednesday. Wizards take that. I mean, I don't expect them to lose at home, but. I think the perfect Toronto storyline would be to lose Game Seven at home. Man, well, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. If it, yeah, if the Wizards lost Game Six or Game Five, either way, but I mean, that'd be shocking. It went to I game like with an elimination to, uh, to blow it at home. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to not even see that series go to Game Seven, but it would be tough to also win four straight. So you were mentioning before we got started that Tomas Sadoransky hasn't gotten too many opportunities, um, but he's someone who definitely could step up if the Wizards want to, you know, close out this series. Are there other players who you feel like are underperforming right now on the Wizards? Yeah, I mean, I think Sanoransky has underperformed in a limited time. It's crazy that the hook was given so quickly and now Ty Lawson's taking the majority of the backup guard minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just for comparison, Lawson didn't play in game one. He's already played 62 minutes. Tomas, 38. So it's already a huge discrepancy. Um, the Wizards offense knows... 38 minutes with Thomas on the court has absolutely died. I mean, for 100 possessions, we're talking about 65 points, and the defense giving up 123 with like a net rating of minus 60 almost. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a reason Scott Brooks did it, but I guess we can touch on Ty Lawson. It's impossible to have an expectation for him, seeing that he signed on the last day, didn't play in a regular season game, and has been out of the NBA all year. Yeah, I mean, the what's what's going well for him is the fact that he looks very comfortable out there and he doesn't really turn the ball over. He just seems like a very capable ball handler. Um, he had like uh, a few clutch plays. I know on game two, I think he scored like 
14 points, 8 assists. Um, in Game 3, he had a big like three at the end of the third quarter, right before the buzzer. He didn't do much at all last uh, on on sat- Sunday night. Uh, I think he shot 0 for 4, um, and he made a couple nice passes. On he had two steals, but yeah, he's he's kind of quieted down after his his initial debut. But it's kind of a tough situation because his his defense he's a lot quicker, so he can stay out you know with the Raptors guards when maybe Sadoransky can't do that if he's gar- guarding. Lowry or DeRozan but then again he's not going to get as many rebounds and I don't know do you feel like there's a clear advantage in Scott Brooks's mind for why he's giving Lawson the backup uh, point guard minutes I think in theory everything you said seems true but I'm just looking at things I mean I've heard John Wall turn over the ball too much in the playoffs all right well he's turning over the ball slightly more than Ty Lawson on a per possession basis 13.8 to 13.2 percent that's a wash um, defensively, I mean, Ty Lawson, per hundred possessions, we're getting outscored by 14 points when he's on the court with a horrid defensive rating. Um, a lot of those minutes are coming with Mike Scott, who does not help on the defensive side either. I just don't see what Ty Lawson brings. I mean, I see it's very similar to like Brandon Jennings last year, where it's a name, a guy who could go off in spurts, mm-hmm. but overall, just you put all the minutes together, un- is not performing well. Do I think Tomas? has played to deserve the minutes in the playoffs? No. Do I feel like he's been given the full opportunity? Not necessarily. And I do think there's something for the experience that Ty Lawson brings. Uh, I don't have his career playoff stats in front of me, but he's definitely uh, had a couple series under his belt from the Denver days. Mm-hmm. One other rotational um, thing that you brought up is that you feel like Jan Mahimni outperforms uh, Marching Gortat at center uh, in the past four games. I'd have to pull up the game logs for Mahimni, but Gortat took a lot of heat after game two. He had no points, uh, 0 for 4. Game one, he had 12. Game three, he bounced back for like 16 points. And then this past game, he had 12 points, shot well, 6 for 8, um, 6 Big rebounds, 2. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was off a wall assist, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he had a funny quote. Um, I remember John Wall said on like some some Sports Center, like I can't believe Gortat is talking trash about it being a better team without or like great team quote unquote team victory without me. You know, I give him more spoon spoon fed assists than anyone. And then uh, Gortat said last night, you know, Wall is spoon feeding me and I'm getting fat. So that was yeah. that was kind of funny. Um, so Mahimni, do you want to bring up those uh, what was it offensive and defensive yeah. efficiency rates again? Because he's crushing yeah. it. And real quick, just for the people who may not be, you know, most comfortable with the advanced stats and know exactly what they mean, offense rating, defense rating, it just averages out when you're on the court per 100 possessions, which is kind of the equalizer. Um, I think the Bucks, I'm sorry, I think the Wizards and the Raptors are both playing a pace right under 100 possessions. So mm-hmm. what you can think of as a whole game or 48 minutes worth um, per 100 possessions. So your offensive rating with your defense rating, that gets you your net rating. So Mahimi in just 36 minutes, which... I'll be the first to say it's too small of a sample size to take too much out of. 159, his defense rating 102. So that's a plus 57. Wow. And then Gortat, 114 to 115. He's pretty much a wash, right? Game score, which aggregates for minutes played and basically, you know, evens it out. Gortat, a 7. Mahimi, a 6. Like, to me, they're very even. Brooks is more comfortable and the whole starting lineup is more when Gortat's in there, and I get that. Um, I just don't want to see... The minute allocation is 94 to 36 at this point. I think it should be closer, you know, more 70-50 in that range. But it seems like both the Raptors and the Wizards are 
going to throw out a traditional five for a majority of the minutes. So what I've wanted to see, you know, the Marquise Morris at the five just hasn't come into effect the series yet. And uh, Mahimni, by the way, his, his stat lines have been two points, 12 points, six points, and four points in the first four playoff games. Uh, 12 points was in game two. He played 11 minutes. Otherwise, sorry, he played 15 minutes over in game two. Um, rebounding, he had two blocks this past game in game four. Hasn't gotten a ton of rebounds. Uh, just, you know, zero, three, two, and three. It's so, yeah, it's, it's, it's like very few minutes. Gordon, rebound rate. Okay. Block rate, astronomical. Mean, doesn't block shots. No. It's been the same thing for five or six years, however long he's been with us. I mean, to see a block percentage rate of, uh, where is that? Oh, he, he has a zero, so he hasn't even recorded a block in this oh, series man. yet. With me, he mean, you know, 11.6% of the shots on the floor against him, he's blocking us. It's mm-hmm. a really high number, so. Do you feel I'm like... not entirely sure why they've really done this, but it seems like they're sticking with it 150% mm-hmm. with. Gortana. It must just be a trust factor. Um, I, I did find the Mike Scott at the five experiment interesting. Uh, they tried that earlier on in the series. You're it seeing it NBA wide, like too. the big men who can't shoot get exposed, but the Raptors thankfully have really played Valanciunas or Portal the entire series, one of them on the floor at all times. Mm-hmm. What was I? Uh, yeah, I think... I. It's kind of tough because Mike Scott, like he he can add a lot more offensively than either one of those guys. But I feel so like he just I don't, what's his is his rebounding rate comparable? Oh, no, not at all. I mean Mike okay. Scott, Mike Scott. I mean his his defensive rebounding rate, some missed shots, will potentially brings down ten percent. Uh, Terrible for a yeah. big man. Overall rebound rate, seven, just under eight. I mean John Walls is higher. Let's just. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a spade a spade there. maybe like Gorta plays more, not just out of you know the respect that he's earned, but also because John Wall feels more comfortable, kind of For feeding sure. him in the post. He's got sure hands. He know he rolls very smartly. He gets players open with screens. So I feel like for all of his and thousands of minutes together, yeah, with NBA action, yeah, no doubt. So Wall is absolutely going lights out. He's eighth in scoring in the playoffs, twenty six point eight points a game. Uh, what is he shooting, by the way? I think he's not even, like, a miserable shooter either, which is good. 44%. Uh, 44% from the Yeah, field. only 25% three. from three, though. Three of 12. I mean, a couple have been open, but most of them have been just Jackham's yeah. John Wall style. So. He's second in assist after, I told you the answer, but this is a good trivia question yeah. for all the listeners. Who's number one in assist? 13.3 a game. It's Rajon so, Rondo, the one team. <laughs> you know, the... He's never gonna die. Don't worry. He'll he'll stick around forever and keep doing big things in the playoffs. The Pelicans were the only team to sweep in the first round. Um, Convincingly, yeah. And Wall averages thirteen, so just you know a third of an assist less. He's second. He's number one in steals. Is he tied for first or actually number one? I know he's getting three total or per game. Uh, three steals per game. Yeah, he's probably I mean, up there in blocks too. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? He's Young only got four me. blocks. So. Okay. He's put up a block a game, but yeah, he's been every for the most part sets parts of game one and two. It's been great. I mean, when Beal went out last night, I think most Wizard fans probably expected the worst there. And then John Wall, more or less, put the team on his back defensively. Was at his most impressive, especially under Rosen, just harassing him. But he had that big layup, passed out to Ubre, really good pass. And Ubre got fouled on, made a free throw, hit that baseline jumper to ice the game, but. 
John Wall put the team on his back and decided, I'm the best player out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall was the direct player, was the dunk. The biggest thing was his defensive uh, tone that he set. You know, he had numerous stops on DeRozan without sending him to a line. And that was, you know, for a guy who scored 35 points over the course of the game, like somebody had to step up and shut, shut him yeah. down. And it happened to be a guy who's four inches taller th- or shorter than him. So that was good to see for sure. Do you feel like it's sustainable, though? Of course, you expect John Wall to be putting up, you know, numbers at least comparable to this, if not a little bit lower. But then, you know, last game, uh, Beal also scored 31 points. He shot an effective 10 of 19, 5 of 7 from beyond the arc. Do you feel like you know, close to 30 points each from Wall and, and Beal, and then 14 assists from Wall last night. Is that what you need to expect at this point? Or do other guys need yeah. to step up to the table, a little bit, a step up to a plate a bit more? I guess, like, Mike Scott just had four points. Um, Markeith Morris, six points, even though he had some clutch ones. Yeah, I mean, I look at it two ways. One, how much better John Wall and Bradley Beal are than the other players. So, of course, any possession ends with them statistically probably has a higher likelihood of working out as long as it's in the flow of the offense. I mean, John Wall's using up a third of the possessions by himself and probably be on another quarter. So between the two of them, you know, three out of every five possessions is ending with a shot attempt or a turnover from one of them, which is a crazy, crazy high number for two players down. Just to compare, I know everyone wants to put the comparisons between Lowry and DeRozan. Uh, they're at a combined 55, so they're even more. So I just feel like we have two better players than their two best players. And then the rest of the lineups aren't given really the opportunity to change the game. I mean, yeah, someone goes off and you get a 30 point game from CJ miles or, you know, Valanciunas puts up 24 and 14. That's going to be a problem. But at the same time, the wizards got 20 from Marquise Morris and another 20 from out of Porter in any game. We wouldn't buy 30. So right. it's kind of the series as is. The Wizards missed a, a ton of free throws uh, last game, too. They missed a ton of them, so, you know, it could have been a I feel like much... the whole year they've been pretty, uh, yeah. pretty spot there. No doubt. With uh, no horrible free throw shooters is the weird thing. Like, they don't have a DeAndre Jordan or someone who's taking six to eight attempts and missing three of them. Like, right. Otto Porter, 80-plus percent. Gortat's a solid 70% Mark Keefe also. I mean, all these guys should be making more free throws, I guess. It's just a matter of... Just frustrating. Maybe yeah, I mean... They're not called free throws for no reason. So, in your mind, what what will be like the the biggest sticking points for the Wizards in terms of what they need to do the, these final three games? Is there, you know, anything in particular that you think will determine the outcome of the series? Yeah, I mean, overall, it's a very even series. Um, Toronto is turning over the ball more than the Wizards, so yeah. keep that up. Keep forcing the turnovers to lead easy baskets. Um, an area that I was worried about that has at times been a problem is the Raptors are a better rebounding team, especially on the offensive glass. So, limiting second chance points. Defensively, I don't feel like the Wizards have had a lot of holes. John um, Wall's one on one defense against the Rosen was great. And honestly, the Raptors reverted to their old bad pass selves. You know, they talk about the new offense they came with Nick Nurse and shooting more threes and passing the ball and not going into the ISO, dribble the ball for 10 seconds. The entire fourth quarter for the Raptors was like <laughs> a time machine back to three years ago. Right. And John Wall won those battles. I mean, does DeRozan hit two more shots in Toronto? Maybe, and then we lose the game. But to me right now, it's, it's Wall and Beal, DeRozan and Lowry. Most Wizards fans will agree, I assume, that they'll take Wall and Beal any day. True. Well, 
that'll that'll wrap up our discussion of you know where the wizards stand who's got to step up to the plate a bit more and kind of what the keys are to, to victory uh if they can close out this series obviously the momentum's in their favor we're gonna transition now and talk a little bit about the toronto raptors who have only made the playoffs this is their 10th time in franchise history they started in 95-96 and kind of just been you know really disappointing when they get to postseason because you look at the past couple of years 48 wins 49 wins 56 wins 51 wins this year they had 59 wins number one seed in the eastern conference and yet uh when you look at the you know their playoff outlook outcomes they got upset in the first round in both 2013 sorry 2014 and 2015 then they lost the Cavs in the eastern conference finals um and then last year they didn't even make it out of the second round uh I can't quite remember who that series was to. I'll have to look that one oh, up. Oh, that was uh, that was the uh, Cavs as well. Oh yeah, okay. And then the Wizards were playing the Celtics. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. now. And now you know they're they're the number one seed. Of course, the Wizards aren't a standard eight seed. They're you know they've they've been uh, ravaged with injuries and of course like losing to some awful opponents, but not truly as bad as those losses, which suggest you would hope. What do you feel like is missing from the Toronto Raptors in terms of they just don't have the toughness and the wherewithal to to stand up to opponents in the playoffs when it comes to that time, despite, you know, what was it? Did they have the best record in all of the NBA? Or no, the, the Rockets did, but they were the close Rockets behind. Did, yeah. yeah, they were second. It's, you are right. The first thing is, like, this is not a standard 8-1. I mean, I go, I look at what's going on in the West and Minnesota might win tonight. We're recording this on Monday night, tied up at two, two exact same spot. I think everyone agrees that Houston is a leg up Toronto. It just it never really seemed to me that Toronto is like on paper, much better team. Um, the series is proving once and again, that in the playoffs, they kind of fold. I mean, they don't play as well as they do in the regular season. Yeah. The competition stuff and everything, but I think at some point you just got to look at the players and, the core is not getting it done. I mean, on a lesser level, but the conversation you've heard is like well, Portland, you know, does that core of Lillard and McCollum have a chance to win? I mean, they've gotten, the Raptors have gotten farther by making the conference finals, but right. very similar position. You know, how does that team take the next step and win? And can you win with Lowry and DeRozan being your, your two best players? Do you feel, I mean, do you think that the NBA is catered towards a league where, you know, a guard-heavy lineup is, is what wins it? Because obviously we've seen Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and KD, who isn't necessarily like a, a big-body post-type player. You know, these are all perimeter guys. And I I don't know if it's just the pure amount of talent on their team, because when you look 1 through 12, 1 through 15, you have a lot more guys that can contribute than you know, just about any other NBA roster uh, in terms of their depth and their youth and the way that they've kind of organically built that team. But a good thing, one important point that um, was brought up last night uh, when I was doing a podcast with Brendan Smith, he said when you look at, like, the entire Raptors bench, yeah, it's a good bench, but there's no particular player who anybody is scared of. You know, there's no type of, like, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type guy who can just come in and drop 30. Of course, they've got... Like, C.J. Miles, who can hit some threes. Uh, who else? Uh, 
I guess Pascal Siakam's kind of like making a name for himself, but like if the, that's the second guy I say, Delon, Delon yeah, Delon Wright, he's, he's you know he's had some big blocks on John Wall, he's made a few threes, um, but yeah. I mean altogether, yeah. it's you know if Fred VanVleet is your best bench player, then it's not, you know it's a, the aggregate of the entire bench is good, but there's nobody who who's you know like a. I think the biggest thing is there's not really any finishers on the team. Like, who would you want taking the last shot if you're the Toronto Raptors? Would you want it to be yeah. Lowry because he's he's kind of cold blooded at times? Or also, you know, it's it's kind of like hit or miss with him. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like they're they're lacking. Mm, they have the veteran presence, but it just seems like something is missing in terms of they don't have yeah. imposing bench players in my mind. Who's making the big plays? Right? Like, we'll go back. For at least the Warriors, most recent Andre Godal has been an absolute wild card and spark plug in the in the playoffs because he can do so many different things. He's running the point now for them with Steph Curry out for a lot of the games. He hits clutch shots. He plays great defense. You know, played great on LeBron. Won an NBA Finals MVP. So mm-hmm. someone like that, they don't have anyone who comes close to that. And you're right. You compare their bench to a lot of teams. It's deeper than the playoffs. You don't need a very deep bench unless yeah. you're injured. Like rotations are cut already from like. 10, 11 to 8, 9, and minutes for starters goes up in the playoffs. You know, guys who play 32 go up to 36, 38, and then up from there. So that matters less in the playoffs. Um, I think also that just the, the overall impact players that they don't have who can make the big play. I'm banking on the fact that the thought process was Ibaka would be like 2012, 13 Ibaka, and, you know, rim protecting, blocking shots, being an athletic freak right. who can go and lock down the paint for you. That hasn't really happened in trial time. I like the miscellaneous players they play at the three. I think OJ Nabui's looked good in the limited minutes. I think he got a little bit banged up last night. Yeah. Uh, CJ Miles is there to hit a three, but it's not going to do much more. I've actually been pretty impressed by DeLon Wright. Seems like he's a very competent NBA player. But And I had people flip the argument and say, well, who on the Wizards bench is that good? No one either. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not, Don't it's not like I'm advocating that part either. But it just seems that they're not able to take the next step, and then, I don't know if we really touched on it, but it's probably the ultimate factor. is just like, LeBron James lurks in the East at all times, and who mm-hmm. on the Raptors is going to stop him? I mean, no one in the East has stopped him in seven years. I don't know James him, had to, I don't get why DeRozan's such a bad defender. He has all the physical tools. He can just, like, rise up over people and hit fadeaway jumpers. He can dunk on people. He hangs in the rim forever, like, on the air forever. Why is he? Why is he never put defense into his repertoire? You know, he's become a great playmaker this year. He's gotten into shooting threes. It's I don't know. He's such a scary scorer. Every time he scores, it just looks like such an impossible basket that you're like, oh my god, does this guy have like 30, 40, 50 points already in the game? Just because he scores so effortlessly, and even the really tough shots, he still finds a way to put those in. So it's just surprising to me that he's not an imposing defender. Yeah, I mean, he steals. Um, not looking at his career page right now, but his steals rate has never been super high. Um, I don't think he's physically that strong, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, like, that does. He's very crafty in the way he gets through the lane and gets fouls and whatnot, puts some shots and like step backs and has that mid range game. But I don't think he's got like the pure brute strength. So when, you know, he's trying to keep someone from driving by him, that person lowers their shoulder or gets any angle on him, you know, he's gonna get blown by him and it's almost the same thing, you know, defense is so much what the team does behind you. Um you're right. Like I'm looking at how DeRozan's playing these four games, I and mean, his defensive rating's terrible. It's 119. His offensive rating's 108. So the Raptors, when DeRozan's been on the court, 
pretty much getting outscored, which is crazy to think. I mean, mm-hmm. going back, that really comes back to me like, how is this series tied? I feel like everything I look at was well, getting clearly better. The Raptors dominated game two. They were up seventy six to like forty in the, at the halftime. They half dominated time. fifteen minutes of it, but the rest of the game yeah. was more or less a draw which is fine i mean yeah they didn't need to try for those other minutes because they got like a 25 point lead and that's on the wizards for just laying an egg in the first quarter which they've done a couple times speaking of surge by the way i'm shocked by the fact that he's only 28 years old because i feel like he's been around so much longer yeah it's crazy to me um i'm not saying like actually are you saying he faked his birth certificate certificate. (laughs) i'm not saying he faked i'm saying there probably is no actual birth certificate he'll say it all the time with thought maker like how old he real quick People might not be watching the Bucks series. Thonmaker, back-to-back five-block games. Read this today. Don't have the evidence right in front of me. But if he had enough minutes, he would have the highest block rate in the NBA postseason history. Mm. Wow. He's it's just, too bad that he doesn't like, qualify. The Raptors wish they had someone like him who was just going around just swatting down wall shots and making life miserable and hitting threes. Ibaka's got, what is this, seven blocks in four games? That's not bad. But his, no, I mean, his point total bad, has been disintegrating. He yeah. gets... He's been well on the boards. 12 rebounds, 9 rebounds, 6 and 10 through 4 games. But his point total is totally just falling off the map. He started the... 11-9, almost 2 blocks a game. It's it's a very solid player. But is that the third best player in the championship team? No. Nah. Like, you want to compare it to what the Celtics could have? You know, if Hayward and Kyrie were healthy. What the Sixers do have. Or what, you know... I'm not going to put Cleveland that bench because I don't know who their third best player is right now. Um... (laughs) Even the Wizards, like, who'd you rather have, Otto Porter or Serge Ibaka? Very different players, but I'm going to take Otto yeah. pretty much every time. I want to get to one more topic before we sign off here. So we talked about, you know, what the Wizards need to do to win, what the Raptors haven't been able to do throughout, like, their playoff experiences the past few years. Um, as we look at the Eastern Conference, nobody's really jumping out as the dominant team. Um, it seems, you know, to me, Miami, even though they're a six seed and they've won just one game, they seem kind of like, you know, it's just like half a game separating them. They seem more like the eighth seed or they could be an eighth seed in my mind. And sure. so we've got three series tied at two apiece. Uh, Cavs, Pacers, the Cavaliers won a crazy one last night um, to even it up. Wizards, Raptors are obviously tied. We talked about the Celtics and Bucks also being tied and the... Sixers up 3-1 on Miami. Who do you think is coming out of the East? Is there anyone who has looked better? You know, by comparison, is like who would you take if you were a betting man right now? What's what's going on with the Eastern Conference playoff picture? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, my rational mind says, go with LeBron until he loses. You have no reason to doubt him, right? It's mm-hmm. like almost like until the sun doesn't come up tomorrow just assume that there will be a tomorrow. And you mentioned Olin is kind of cooling off, uh, shooting a little bit too. Yeah, he hasn't been great in the series. Um, and the fact that the Pacers are 2-2, I mean, one game was won by former Wizard Bojan Bogdanovic. <laughs> Clearly just had the game of his life in game three. I probably think it looks like the Cavs Pacers will go seven. Uh, Sixers, I expect to close out at home. Embiid's back, going to get his legs under him. He hasn't played in almost a month. I think, you know, they should go to wrap that up tomorrow night. Buck Celtics, to me, seems absolutely destined for a seven-game series. And then Wizards-Raptors as well. So, who comes out of the East right now? I'll say Cleveland. Over but Philadelphia? But if you just ask me who... Over Philadelphia. But if you ask me, like, who just has the best team? Not the best player, obviously. I think it's Philly, just in terms of 
who can match up against Embiid and Simmons the way they're playing? And their role players have just been out of control good. I mean, Redick, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, mm-hmm. Covington's defense is great. I mean, those role players just fit it perfectly and just will play around Simmons and Embiid. I'm so amazed every time Simmons makes a shot that's not a dunk or like an open layup just because his his offense is so unconventional. Like none of his jumpers really look like they're in rhythm. He had this one like driving uh, layup where he kind of like turned back to the elbow and faded away and still got that to go somehow. His so I don't know how he does it. His 10 to 12 foot game is amazing. I mean, yeah. it's like, well, he doesn't shoot a three. Why does he have to? Like, yeah, he's got let's say floaters. Ben Simmons one day got to league average 36, 37% from three, right? Do you want Ben Simmons wasting possessions shooting five to six threes a game? No, he's way more efficient if he's driving and passing or taking a shot close to him where he shoots way over 50%. I mean, to me, you don't point. need to be great at everything. I think there's such a reliance on shooting that you surround him with three or four shooters. And when MB is on the court for five, a seven, two man, he can certainly shoot. You put Bellinelli or Redick and Ilyasova and, you know, Covington and Saric. And, uh, I mean, it's a deep team. You put all those guys you can shoot around him. How do you defend a team like the Sixers? Because they're going to run a pick and roll. Simmons is bigger than your point guard. It's probably bigger than anyone else you've got on your roster. And the guys, yeah. you know, a 6'10 point guard is super fast. If you want to play under and play off, he just gets like a full head of steam, two dribbles, such a good passer that he'll find when you cave the defense. Or do you sack off and let them just enter the enter the post with MB and live with whatever post move or post out pass comes from that? I mean, to me, yeah. that's the best roster in the East, but... I don't know how many minutes um, Hassan Whiteside or Justice Winslow are playing, but you would think that with a rim protector... You know, you wouldn't see Embiid getting so many easy, you know, drives for layups, and you wouldn't even see him getting into the rim, you know, into the lane so easily with an elite defender. They don't play us on white side. I mean, they don't yeah. play him in the clutch at all. He's so bad offensively, he can't do anything. I mean, I'm going to pull up his stats. Um, for comparison's sakes, I mean, he's they, right, they played four games. Son Whiteside, 67 minutes in four games. Um, other big men on that team, they're not about a rookie. 61, almost right on there. Kelly Olenek, 109, way more. That's 40-plus more minutes, almost whole games worth. And Whiteside really averaging 6'6", six, six, a little over a block a game, and 60, you know, playing about 16 minutes a game. Yeah. That's, for someone making 20-plus million dollars a year, that's crazy. And it's been all year. I mean, it shouldn't be a shock. I know a lot of Heat games aren't on TV. Kelly Olenek plays the fourth quarter for them. That's just the way it's been. And it's kind of remarkable that it's fallen so hard on Whiteside. I mean, he had what, like two really, really good years, Matt, you know, almost a near max contract, and now it seems like a dying breed of NBA dinosaur. You know, he's like Big man who can't, shoot and can't guard the perimeter. Well, Rock at least can shoot yeah. three, and he's a little and, faster. I mean, I wouldn't say yeah. Hassan Whiteside is a poor perimeter defender, but you know, he's just very limited offensively. He's not guarding Ben Simmons. <laughs> not, yeah. You know, he's not guarding Dario Saric to the three line because that removes him from his best skill, which is. You know, shot block. I mean, the guy's got five blocks in 67 minutes. Kelly Olenek has five blocks in 109 minutes. Mm. And it comes to offensively. Like, Whiteside does nothing well offensively. He doesn't pass. doesn't have a post game. He can't shoot. doesn't shoot free throws well. I mean, there's literally nothing that Hassan Whiteside gives you on offense that makes you better. So, as we look at, you know, the Eastern Conference right now, um, by the way, it was hilarious uh, last night in the locker room. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich hit like some and one in crunch time, and 
against the, the Cavs, and John Wall is just screaming like, "Oh, bogey and one!" <laughs> just so excited yeah, to mean, hopefully see LeBron lose and have like a way easier path to Eastern Conference Finals. But so your sure. predictions are that? Let's not, let's not put the uh, the cart before the horse on that. No, <laughs> everyone besides Cavs fans are rooting for LeBron to lose. They just don't want to. He's mm-hmm. easy to root against. You root against the top players. No, um, because like nobody's going to watch the finals. If, okay, so there's the conspiracy theory where like Adam Silver's on the phone with the refs telling I don't buy into that whatsoever. Um, I just think I just don't understand how LeBron keeps getting better and better and seemingly puts the team on his back. And I just think he'll win four games before the Pacers win four. Of course. I mean, you know, another thing it's is, almost disheartening to see that LeBron has to work this hard just to get out of the first round. Then the question becomes, how does he do this for three rounds? But playing 82 games, leading the league in minutes played. 40-plus minutes in the playoffs. I mean, wow. he's literally putting the team on his back. And I just don't think people want to watch an NBA Finals uh, from the Eastern Conference that doesn't feature either the Cavs or Sixers. I mean, maybe the general fan. I mean, I think the Celtics have the history where, yeah. you know. That's a good point. But the Celtics aren't making the Finals. I mean, And they don't have star look, power this year either. No yeah, do the Wizards... Stand a chance making in the finals. Yeah, I think there's. <laughs> oh, the we finals. All see the path. Uh, we see the path. We see the path. The path is the Cavs lose to the Pacers somehow. The Wizards play a Pacers team that we all expect to beat, six and then they play Philly, seven. who's just not experienced enough for whatever reason. And the Wizards use their four years of playoff experience, sneak past Philly, and go get baptized by the Warriors or Rockets. Like to me, that at least makes a lot of sense on paper. The Rockets um, aren't making it to the finals, by the way. Zero percent chance. You're going. I would like to know. Like, let's just hear it quickly. Western Conference. I mean, okay. A couple game fours tonight, so keep that in mind. But I would say Houston will win the series. Golden State will win. They're playing Golden State tonight. And give me Utah. Yeah. Do you think Golden uh, State wraps it Rockets up tonight? Rockets got game four. Jazz got game four tonight. Warriors game five tomorrow. So when this, when most people are listening to this podcast, you know, we'll have a better idea. Yeah, I think. The Jazz will win. I think but Utah wins. Not as well. be able to get past Houston, and then Golden State will, regardless of Steph Curry's there or not, find a way to beat Golden or New Orleans. I just trust you know what they have versus what New Orleans has. So then Rockets Warriors. You're saying the Rockets have zero percent chance of winning that? I, I mean, it's tough to say zero percent, but I would say it's you know less than a, you they know play the Warriors if, well. If it's a seven game series, they're not going to win more than two games. Yeah. I mean, I agree with the mindset, like, how do the Warriors lose? I think Steph Curry is the ultimate wild card for these playoffs because it's not that I necessarily don't think the Warriors can make the finals without Steph. It just becomes so much harder. And very rarely in the history of the NBA has a team been able to win without their best player or second best player, former two-time MVP. They're at a luxury because they have Durant. Oh, Steve Kerr literally said yes, they don't expect him back anytime soon. I know some people were hoping for the start of the New Orleans series. He might miss that entire round. I mean, they said they're reevaluating a week, which we'll already have probably, uh, unless they go to seven against the Spurs, they're going to have at least a game in on New Orleans series. Yeah. It very realistically might be two weeks, three weeks, and he's going, like, maybe New Orleans doesn't have to play, and then they can shock the world. But the step up from Portland to Golden State is, is right. going to be massive. And <laughs> One of those as great as Anthony Davis is, Golden State has their version with Durant. So give me the rest of the rosters. I'm going to take Clay and Draymond over 
Rondo and Miritich. And uh, maybe I'll be, uh, be biting my tongue. I really want to see. Weeks, but... I don't think it's going to happen, but I really would love to see uh, Donovan Mitchell and James Harden just going like head to head into like a seven game oh, yeah. series. Uh, if if Utah emerges, and I guess if the Rockets emerge, but they're obviously going to. Cool. Well, yeah, that'll be a, a fun series. I, I don't necessarily think if Steph Curry's hurt, I don't think the list is as Golden State says some people may think it is. Yeah, I think they are going to wrap up this uh, series with the Spurs uh, oh, tomorrow yeah. night, though, or Tuesday night, whenever you guys are listening to this. Cool. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure. Um, good to hear from you about you know the Wizards' path to victory, the the historical flaws with Toronto and how their team just isn't really imposing at this stage and kind of a little bit similar to the Trailblazers as you mentioned um, and it was good to hear your predictions for the Eastern Conference so you you still think that the Pacers are sorry not the Pacers the Cavs basically something the Cavs are going to come out of it and win the East so yeah I uh, guess to be on ahead. the record I'll go Sixers close out the series Cavs win Wizards win Bucks win we can talk again once the series is set in round two. Hopefully, you know, the Wizards have a round two to play for. Um, right. But yeah, if, if you're going to put me on the record, I'll, I'll still stick with the Cavs coming out of the East. But less confident than when we talked uh, we talked about like 10 days ago. So we shall see. I just realized that four out of the six Eastern Conference logos have basketballs in their logo. Only the Cavs and the Bucks don't have basketballs with them. Do logo. the Bucks have a basketball in their logo? No, Look it's just some antlers. What? Look harder at the antlers. What shape do they make? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, every <laughs> team has a basketball in their logo. Like, seriously, it's scary how every team in their primary logo. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Did the they... other logo for the Cavaliers has, like, you know, the guy on the horse oh, yeah. actually carrying a basketball or something. Or yeah, somewhere. I mean, I guess the Cavs truly are one of the ones, but, like, the Bucks, I'm going to say they do have a basketball in their logo. It's negative space. It's that future art design. What you pay the millions of dollars to these people in New York City to come up with. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of their uniforms, but that discussion is for another day. Dan, sure, thanks. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. I've learned uh, better not to talk about any song requests because you don't really, you know, have any. No, music put on that new Ariana me. Grande track. That's 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 real good. I don't know if you guys heard the new Ariana Grande song, but I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Alright, I'll check that out. By the way, Dan isn't on Twitter, but you can follow Locked On Wizards at Locked On Wizards. You can go to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, which is NBN Dash Radio. Also, I'm Noah underscore Getzel, G O E T Z E L. Uh, make sure to follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network and all Locked On NBA um, podcast. Also, there's some great playoff coverage going around. I'm part of a blog called Wizards Extra, so be sure to follow them. We post a ton of pre-game and post-game videos, lots of um, good interview videos with players and coaches. After everything wraps up, follow us for live coverage throughout the the home games and of road games as well. So, um, those are my plugs. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere else where you get your podcasts, you can find us. Thanks, Dan, and tune in tomorrow night for an interview with Becca Winkard, a.k.a. at BeccaMVP for your game four, game five preview. Thank you, everybody, and have a nice evening. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.